Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to fitness coach for the Swedish national team and head of the UEFA Fitness Advisory Group, Paul Balsam. Tune in to episode 338 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So as soon as I heard about the great work that was going on at UEFA with their fitness advisory group and the fact that Paul was heading that up, it was an absolute no-brainer to get him on, given the fact that this could affect and the things in that the UEFA fitness advisory group are doing could affect those working in football across Europe. So thank you to Chris Barnes for making the introduction and in this episode we have a little chat around integrating uh, fitness, technical and tactical which has come up a couple of times in the previous episodes of the podcast. Integration of technology, the 24-7 lifestyle and not only for players but for coaches and then how clubs can better support support staff. Then we have a little chat around what UEFA are doing in their coach education to push things forward and make enable practitioners to be to be better in uh, in football clubs across Europe then we have a little chat around the at the end around um, women's game and how you wait for a, a working to uh, to improve things on that side as well so it's a cracking episode with Paul some really really interesting takeaways and give given his experience and his current role as the as the um, as the fitness coach at the Swedish national team, there's so much to take away. So I will hand over to Paul. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Hawking Dynamics, the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud-based system from anywhere in the world. So as I've mentioned, the Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, which means they're portable, and they're also trusted by teams at a number of different levels in a number of different sports. So integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring system uh, could not be easier and more affordable. So if you want to get to know a little bit more about Hawking Dynamics or actually see their plates in action, Head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can, I mean, you can also schedule a demo, and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by iMeasureU. So used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field, IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running based sports. So iMeasureU have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor Blue Trident which includes ultra high G capabilities to quantify high impact steps such as cutting, landing and sprinting, longer battery life to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. iMeasureU, now part of Vicon, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, US Department of Defense and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about iMeasureU, head over to their website iMeasureU.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at iMeasureU. 
So without further ado, over to the episode with Paul Balsam. Thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast this morning. I am delighted to welcome Paul Balsam. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming on. It seems months ago when we lined this up, but um, finally come round. Really excited to, to get you on. There's plenty plenty to chat about. So anyone that doesn't know who you are, Paul, would you mind just giving us a, a brief background on what you've done before, education, and more importantly, what you're doing now? Yeah, I'm being very privileged to be working in or either studying or, or working in in football and, and sports science for the last forty years. Believe it or not, um, sometimes I have to pinch myself to realise how old am I. I always, always used to think of myself, I still do think of myself as two 25-year-olds as, as opposed to a 50-plus, but uh, believe it or not, it's been it's been 40 years since I studied sports science in, in Cardiff, um, at Cardiff Met, and then since then, um, studied in America, um, but ended up in Stockholm in, in 1989, where I took my PhD in exercise physiology, and then during the 90s, and, and from then on, working with the, the Swedish national team as sports scientist, physiologist, performance analyst, in the beginning, a little bit of everything. And then during the time being based in uh, in, in Sweden, in Stockholm, doing some commuting back to the UK, where, where I grew up, um, working with initially Bolton, Bolton Wanderers 2002-2004, Southampton, Leicester Hull, and then back at, back at Leicester. So, um, and now actually finishing off in, in coach education. So, so sort of a, a long story short, I have you know, very limited experience as a player. Uh, simply, <laughs> simply not good enough. Uh, realized that early enough age to, uh, to jump ship. But then fortunate to have studied um, studied sports science. Um, been at the coal phase, which we're still on now. But but also now moved into coach education with with UEFA, which uh, is really really re- rewarding. Was the were you at Bolton in the heyday, the Aldice? Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand two, so Premier League. Yeah, two great years there. Um, yeah, really, really fond memories. I mean, it's amazing to think back back then, uh, that long ago. You know what we actually did at that time. Thank, thanks to thanks to Sam, but but also some of the staff that you know I was working with now have gone on to make big names on themselves, working at Liverpool City, and and you know so so really, really, really good times and great players. Huh? Yeah, the Ocotches, the Yorkers, the Yescalinans, oh, Campo, wow. Wow, great times, yeah. good times. When you think back, unbelievable names like World Cup winners, oh, oh, Champions oh, League winners, oh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And and yeah. you know, Big Sam, yeah, he had him dancing at his at his fingertips. It was, uh, it was amazing. I you know, really, really good times, really good times. Yeah, I did, I did a survey recently, and one of the questions was a simple one, and it was age and experience in the sport. And when looking, and this is in football and rugby, but particularly in football, the majority of people who were surveyed and who answered the survey were under 10 years in terms of experience and majority of the time under 35. So you've mentioned 40 years in doing what, you, doing what you're doing. So what, what's been the key for you, do you think, that's enabled you to stick around? I love my job. I mean, I absolutely love my job. I mean, there's not a day where I don't sort of jump out of bed. I look, apologize for the cliches, but but it really is. You know, I I grew up with as as a as you know, a, grew up in England, loving the sport. You know, taken to games at four by my my father and and his father, and and you know, it, from from day one, football was my life, and there, there was a little. 
crossroads where I could have studied engineering and, and, and decided to stay into football. But but it's, it it is a passion, and and you know what the the the, the energy I get back from from working with the players, you know, and, and staff, and and they traveling the world and experience. I mean, I've tra- traveled the whole world through football and it's just, yeah, I, you know, I, I could, I feel today like today I could, I could go another 40 years without. I mean, just sometimes you have to realize how old you are when you, you know, you get these 20, 30 year olds, the players and you say, okay, calm down. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. So uh, no, yeah, just so many great people working in the game, just, just the passion and, and, and love for the game. It's just, and it'd be very fortunate to get some opportunities to, to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Nice. So one thing that's come up in the podcast quite a bit is this integration between the, the technical and tactical and the fitness side and how that's, especially with the guys that have been around a little bit longer of how that's, developed and you mentioned that you mentioned the role at UEFA and the coach education I'd be really interested to get to know your views on that and what UEFA are doing to amalgamate them to areas of the the, the team if that's all right absolutely so as I mentioned initially I, I mean in the Swedish FA I actually started in the in the early 90s with the with the women's with the women's team and then, then went into the men's team but then it was a dual role as a, as a performance analyst and a, and a fitness coach because resources in such a small country weren't there so I actually spent 20 years working as a performance analyst so believe it or not warm up up in the stands filming the game back down at half time um uh, taking the the warm up back up with the with, you know running up the stairs with my boots on and so but so I've got I've, I really and I've got my pro license um, uh, UEFA pro license so it's, I'm not just saying that for because it's a it's a, it's a education but so I, I really do have a good understanding of, of of the tactical side of the game and 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 I do th- and that's one of the things we're trying to install in in in, in UEFA I mean, in fact two things one is that the fitness coaches. They do need to understand football, but also uh, we're working very. We're, the, the first priority now is to to uh, speed track the the understanding of the the football coaches or, uh, are working with uh, support practitioners, and that's really from grassroots all the way through to pro. So it's that you know if if I'm if I've got one assistant coach or if I'm working with a team of coaches, what what do I need to know as a manager? What's important for me? You know, I know the tactic, I know the technical. But what do I need to know about the the fitness side so I can work with these people and, and understand these people and and as I said the the other way around for the fitness coaches. <clears throat> and, but as we pointed out, if I'm a fitness coach, I, I can't be expected of an A license, a UEFA A license coaching because you know that takes time. If I'm going to get a degree, I mean I'm going to be ten years just in education before I can put my foot onto the grass. So it's it's a really interesting uh, journey we're starting on with UEFA. But but the priority now is to upskill. The, the football coaches to understand um, to understand the fitness side of things because because you're so right I mean you know we if you look at stats I mean we may get on to talk about but you know physical stats in a game you know highly highly uh, affected by by tactics and, and and the type of game we're playing um, I can just mention that in in the World Cup now we're, Sweden had a very World Cup I mean our high, uh, very high speed or sprint running stats. Uh, distance cover greater than seven meters per second were were the lowest of all the 32 teams i mean and they weren't just you know 31 and 32 it was like 31 oh sweden 32 uh, but we could explain that because tactically we were very compact and, and it wasn't a problem so it's 
And it really is important, you know, that that integrated approach, as we call it now, to to really understand uh, how it all fits together. Is there any reluctance from either side, from the technical and the tactical side, to integrate the fitness, or the f- more specifically the fitness to get to know more about the technical and the tactical? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, hey, we could talk, we could talk all day about this, but yeah. one thing, one thing, uh, we so so in the in the in the UEFA. In the UEFA role, we've we've actually talked to all fifty-five national associations now, and, and we've listened to them. This is, you know, this is really with the football advisory group, fitness for football advisory group, you know, want to listen to the national associations. And what's very clear is any practitioner working in a team, any any fitness or sports science practitioner, has to respect the culture and philosophy of the head coach. You are, you're, you're, of course, you're there supporting the players, but you're also supporting the head coach. So, you know, I can't go in with, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and science says this is the, no, I mean, okay, we need to work very closely with, with the head coach. And that's really important. But, but, but of course, then, you know, we, we're in a time now where if, if we're able then to educate the head coach, so, so now with, with better education from grassroots all the way through to B license, A license and pro license, then, you know, we're, we're going to start coming closer together. Um, but, you know, I see, oh, I see some, I see some horrible things. And I guess at the end of the day, it's so much about the people, you know, it's, you know, you, you can have all the knowledge and, but but you know it's the person and that and also that chemistry. Um, I know I'm talking a lot now, but but you know it, it's it's not uncommon. It's, you know you've got the also different models, and if we just focus back at the elite, you know a manager who comes into a club and brings a whole entourage. I mean it's not unusual for managers to bring maybe changes slightly now, but six or seven people with him, a head of performance, an assistant coach, or maybe a goalkeeper coach. You know that's one model. The other model is. You know, the head coach comes in and works with the people who are already there and, and there are strengths and advantages, disadvantages of the different models. You know, if, if I come in with six people I can trust, I know I, I can go to war with them. You know, I don't have to look down my back. I know that, you know, we're, we're going together. If I come in as a new, I have to get to learn the people. Can I trust them? So it's it's uh, it's really different. And, and it's, it's really interesting that you see different models and... and you know how how it works, especially at the elite level. From from a sports scientist, SNC coach, fitness coach, whatever we want to call ourselves, and we'll probably come onto that as well in a little bit. Would you have any tips to help either them to options along from from the inside, and how you've potentially done it when you've seen both of them examples play out? The entourage versus the what may from the outside seem a more long term aim of, of the integration of current club staff? Uh, we, we have a very strong lead in the Swedish national team and he, he has some, some um, you know, some pillars that, that are non-negotiable. Um, so so uh, you can't have any prestige. You, you, you know, you, you have to be there without prestige. You have to be proactive. Um, you, you have to communicate um, and and the, so there are certain things for me that are n- non-negotiable, and you have to be yourself. And and um, you know so, sometimes relationships work, sometimes they don't work. And then I, I always I always think an X factor. I think um, you know advice to anyone that, or certainly from the fitness side, working you know going in and working with managers, you, you have to have a little X factor, and, and whatever that might be, it might be a little bit of knowledge, it might be a personality, but. 
And then I guess what's really important is, is especially in, in sort of the fitness, as you say, whatever we call ourselves, it's that, you know, you've got a loyalty to the club because, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're paying your salary. You have a loyalty to the manager because, you know, you're working for, for him or, or her. But then you have this, you know, your relationship with the players. And, and, and you, you know, it's, it's really, it can be difficult to balance. In an ideal scenario, you know, your relationship with all three is, is, is great. But it's really trying to balance that, you know, because, because you know yourself, Rob, as, as working and, and people listening who are working as a, as a fitness coach, that your relationship with your players is key. And then suddenly a manager may say, okay, we're in tomorrow, we're off tomorrow, or double session. And, and it's that ability to deal with that sort of that curveball. And, and you know, you have to keep your face. You, you, you know, any fitness coach who doesn't get moaned at by his players, you know, has never been a fitness coach. So you know that, oh, not again, we're not going to do this. So it's really dealing with so so, and I guess this has grown also over the years. So it's not just good enough to, to sort of come out of university. You've got a three year bachelor of science degree or sports science degree. It's, it's also your ability to to be a leader and and to communicate. Is that something that going back to the UEFA part of your job? Is that something that's going to be integrated in that side? Understanding all this, what you've just talked about. So so at the moment we're focusing educating the the football coaches sorry yeah so the two steps so one is so educating a football coach so so actually that the further they they go from from grassroots to pro the more that they will have to learn to work with specialists the next stage will then be to to bring in a a uefa fitness diploma that that's on the that's on the sort of roadmap and then it will be yeah i'm sure it will be it's not just about you know aerobic anaerobic muscle fibers energy systems it'll also be about that ability to you know to adopt uh, um, an, interdi- an interdisciplinary approach in the multidisciplinary team it's, it's you know that ability for, for everyone to work together so, <clears throat> to have a clear understanding of their role I think is also very very important uh, coming back to your last question as well is that you know what is my role you know do, can I can I step out of my role can I do I just focus on my role if I see something else so it's uh, you know, Premier League today. You're, you're looking at teams of of anywhere between five and ten in the sports science department with nutritionists and psychologists and everything. So it's um, a lot's happened in the last uh, <laughs> probably last ten to twenty years. Mm-hmm. This may be looking a little bit too far advanced based on the two step, uh, the two phase that you've talked about with UEFA. But how do you see the second phase being integrated and maybe? Would it change the day-to-day workings of a of a, a sports scientist or the conditioning coach? How would that be integrated? Would there be any stipulations that, and this is me preempting something that maybe never going to happen, but someone would have to go, if you're in a UEFA country, you'd have to go through a UEFA qualification to be able to be a fitness coach. Is that something that you could see coming down? Okay. So if you look at the 55 nations now, um, 13 of them already have their own national fitness diploma. Um, and of those 13, then there is a range of which some insist that to work at the top level, you have to have your, so if I'm in Switzerland, for example, I have to have the Swiss, the equivalent of the Swiss accreditation uh, to work in as, as a fitness coach in, in football. And, and, and this is a really interesting one. And, and, our job in, in UEFA is going to be that if I have a UEFA fitness accreditation, if I take that accreditation in Sweden, 
and I want to work in Moldova, Moldova, when I come to Moldova and I can say I am a UEFA A licensed qualified fitness coach, they will know, they'll have an understanding of the level that I work at. Now, if Moldova then want to say everyone working in, in our Premier League has to have this qualification, that, that's going to be on an individual um, you know, basis. UEFA won't stipulate that England, for example. And, and then, you know, we may come on to it, but, you know, fitness coach, strength and conditioning coach, performance coach, performance director, fitness guru, strength and fitness coach, you know, I mean, movement coach, uh, <clears throat> You go on LinkedIn, you, you'll, you'll get 20. Go to the five know, minutes, Paul. Keep going with that, Jota. We could keep it. In LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn, you'll get, you know, you, you'll pick up 20 titles within, you know, my first 100 contacts, I'll have 20 different titles. So, you know, so do you say you have to have a, you know, does a fitness coach have to, or does one member of the team? What, what I, just to bring this part of the discussion to an end, I think, I would like to see maybe head of performance qualification. So if you're calling yourself a head of performance, then maybe I would really like to, to think about UEFA. So you have a UEFA pro licensed football coach qualification. So maybe we could, you know, we could introduce a pro licensed head of performance type of qualification. So that's definitely a quality control. So if I'm going to run, you know, if I'm going to manage a team of, of, of performance specialists, but also I think it will give, you know, a person in that position an incentive. You know, they've probably already got their, their, their degree. They're never going to take a UEFA Pro license coach because they don't have time. So it would be something for them to work towards. And, and you know, then you could go into leadership, you know, business budgets and, and everything. And, and, you know, probably the actual theoretical fitness sports science side of it would, would be, you know, only one part of, of many different parts. Mm-hmm. Just interestingly enough, the, one of the one of the pillars that you mentioned from the, the Swedish national coach, the first one you mentioned was prestige. What do, what do you mean by what does he mean by not having prestige? Is that it's not about you? It, it, it's okay. you know as soon as it becomes about you, then then you're out the team, or, or you will never get in the team if it's about you. And, and this is also very very you know it, it's it's not about you. You're only there to support the players. Um, and and I say that you know that's one of the things. If I if I'm talking to, you know, I did a talk on. In fact, Sweden now are bringing a, their own national fitness coach diploma in, and, and I just did a, a very small introduction, and, and that was one of the things we talked about. It you know you're there to support the players. Your job is to support the players and and to improve performance. Done. How 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 would that fit into the kind of. 2021 where we've got social media we've got people pushing their own personal brand you've got websites you've got podcasts you've got people coming on podcasts and talking about what they do how does that fit in with that and how would it be viewed what, what are you trying to say people coming on podcasts and... <laughs> i'm talking about me not anyone else. <laughs> um yeah, really good, really interesting. And again, it, and and we actually, I, I took it up in 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 the UA for that that you know we, we're you know social media. <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm I, I, I keep coming back to fifty plus, but I do try to to to. But hey, I've got to look at Instagram. I've got to look at Twitter. I've got to look on LinkedIn. And yeah, there's so many. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. Of course, there's a lot of poor stuff. You know, at the end of the day, someone who's pushing pushing themselves. No, not not for me. It's it's you know there's 
you know, I don't have time to do all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm busy doing what I need to be doing. And, you know, there is a, you know, there is a group of practitioners that sort of, you know, that, that we came through the 90s and, and you're probably aware of them, that I guess Tony Stradwick, Barry Drass, there's, there's a lot of people who, you know, we're kind of that other side of it. And, and, and you know, the, the, the best practitioners I know, there are some really good ones that they, they don't spend a lot of time on, on, on social media. Not saying right or wrong, but, uh, but it, is, it is also a problem. I mean, you know, my manager may come in to me and say, hey, I've just read that if I, if I eat this or, you know, if I do this or if I buy this, you know, we're going to be 5% better. Look, they've told me, you know, it's okay. <laughs> how, how, do you deal, how do you deal with that, Paul? How do you deal with that influence? Not only managers, but clearly like players are young adults been influenced by not only on social media, but potentially people around them. That's like, that's a, that's chaos. Potentially, Absolutely. education. That, that that that's you know that is one thing, and 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 you know something that um, yeah, I'm a big believer in is player empowerment. So so actually, you know, it's it's not it's not gym at nine o'clock today. Be there. It's okay. You you need to do a gym session today. This is what we need to do. Um, okay, if, if you know, obviously resource depending, we can't do that everywhere. But you know, if you want to do it before training, should we do it between sessions? Should we do it? You know, do you want to come in earlier? Do it on your own. So, so getting the player to understand and and you know, I think I think we've got better. Um, I think the level of the education of players has improved, and that's probably a, a resource thing that that you know they you know we are able to spend. There's more of us spending more time with players. Um, you know, we we mentioned Hawken Anderson before in, in sort of the pre-chat here, and, and Hawken's a, a sprint coach. And you know, I I observed one of his sessions, and and his athlete, I think he ran, uh, he ran ten times forty meters, um, and that was the whole session. But their contact time was fifty-five minutes, so they were speaking to each other for on one and one for fifty-five minutes. And do we get to speak to our players for fifty-five minutes in a season? <laughs> Probably not. But if there's obviously, if there's 10 of us, we can do that. And, and you know, we, I, time's going quickly, but in terms of data, this is, this is where data can have a really important role in technology because whereas before, you know, I may, you know, play will come in and say, oh, that was a hard session. I said, yeah, it wasn't really. Yeah. Okay, let, let's look at the heart rate. Let's look at the, some, some metrics and let's discuss it. And, you know, let, and so now I've got a starting point. I can use data as a starting point for a discussion. And, you know, most players today, to, to be fair to them, they're, they're, they're inquisitive because, you know, at the end of the day, they, they want to get better as well. And, you know, the, the price of being out of the team is, is um, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. So they, they want to, and you'll find most players, you know, the majority of players today are, are really, really keen to learn more, to, to understand what they can do to, to be better. Has the empowerment of players changed over the time that you've been involved are players expecting to be empowered a lot more now and if if so is there any other examples that you could potentially give where you do give them that freedom of choice in things i'm a big believer in freedom of choice so so um you know for example with the swedish air for the warm-up you know that that period where you see the fitness coach you know, doing his 10 meters and they all copy him and then he goes back and they copy him. I, I, I don't do that. So for three minutes, they work in twos, they do 12 meter um, shuttles, but they do what they want to do. So, so even they don't have to do what the other one does. That's their time to get ready for the next phase of the warm up. so that they're completely empowered. If I'm working with an international player and he doesn't know what he needs to do, you know, 
I don't need to take two steps to the left and he follows me two steps to the left. I, I believe that they should do it. It's slightly different in the national team because they're coming from different backgrounds. So, so I'm not, you know, would I do that in the club side? I'm not sure, but it, it is an example where I'm working with well-educated, top, top players. You know, I, I, I give them a framework and, and, and I let them, to some extent, fill in, you know, fill in the blanks. You know, for example, we don't jog so in the warm-up. You know, once we, we, we do a, an initial jog so that they can, um, yeah, you know, football players are childish, so that, you know, get that out of your system. Okay, now we go. And, and from then on, it's, it's focused. So it's not, okay, go on three minutes, do what you want to do. But I give them the ability to, to do what they need to do. <clears throat> the same with pre-activation, again, in the national side. You know, they, they have a window where they can... You know, I create the window where they have a 20 to 30 minutes of pre-activation, but, you know, we're not in there telling them exactly what, what they can do. Is that a cultural thing, Paul, from a... Yeah, I want to come back to it, and that's a really good point, yeah. Rob, because, you know, we, you know, even in my club size, there, there were, you know, with certain groups of players at certain times, things like that would never have worked, and they needed leadership, and, and leadership was the right thing, and, and you know, they, they did need someone to follow. So, and even today, there may be groups of players in, in you know, depending on the culture. There, and and some, some head coaches won't buy into that. Some, some you know, some head coaches that I, that I know today want, you know, want them all doing the same thing and in rhythm. It looks good. We're a team. I'm, I'm absolutely fine. That, that, that's completely fine. So it's a really good point that it has to be at the right time with the right group of players. Um, so... Just before we dive back into part two with Paul, I just wanted to let you know that I have partnered with Satanta College to produce the Pacey Performance British Football Performance Staff Survey. And it's an anonymous survey from 138 practitioners currently working in British football in the Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, uh, Scottish Premier League, Scottish Championship, and the Welsh Premier League. So we asked about education, experience, internships, and the all-important salary. So people in the industry can use that to potentially benchmark or those that are out of the industry that would like to get in a bit of an insight into what they need to do and what they can expect so you can go to strengthofscience.com or you can just follow me on twitter and there'll be all the links on there but that comes out on the 2nd of april 2021 for anyone that is interested this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Output Sports, the Swiss army knife for athlete performance. So to celebrate their first year in business, after eight years of research, Output have just launched a Black Friday sale. So for the first 25 Pacey Performance listeners and followers to use the code PACEY25, you can subscribe to their bronze package with a 25% discount until December the 1st, 2020. This will get you access to an output IMU, all their measurement modules, VBT, power, wellness, RSI, Nordics, strength endurance, mobility, and more, plus access to their AMS, the output hub. So check it out today to bring a new level of portability, practicality, and efficiency to your athletes' testing and tracking processes. So you can learn more about output on outputsports.com or follow them on social media at Output Sports, where you can schedule a demo. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Fusion Sport. Fusion Sport is a global leader in human performance solutions for elite sport, military and workplace health. 
Fusion Sports data management and analytics platform Smarterbase is designed to provide elite human performance organizations with a one-stop shop solution for the holistic performance management of their teams. Highly configurable and capable of allowing the integration of other systems and wearables into its operations, Smarterbase enables organizations to capture, manage, analyze, report, and share data across the whole organization. When you adopt the Smarterbase human performance platform, you're choosing more than just a product, you're choosing a technology partner and a team of consultants who have worked with some of the most elite performance organizations. Smarterbase is trusted by the world's best in human performance, including the National Basketball Association, the NBA, the LA Lakers, US Special Operations Command, the Australian Institute of Sport, and US Soccer. So visit fusionsport.com forward slash smarterbase to learn more about how Smarterbase can help turn your data into a winning advantage. This episode is also sponsored by Omega Wave, which is the only non-invasive, at-rest technology on the market that analyzes readiness to train via both brain and cardiac analysis. So using DC potential and HRV to understand your brain's energy level and autonomic nervous system balance allows you to use objective data on recovery and readiness that in turn helps you to truly individualize your training and this optimize performance. Omega Wave also measures ECG from the V6 position and this data can be used by the medical profession to check cardiac health on a frequent basis. The measurement only takes four minutes to perform and results are visualized in an intuitive way thanks to our Windows of Trainability concept. Omega Wave is used by hundreds of elite sport athletes, military and law enforcement agencies. They are also an official partner of the UFC Performance Institute. So to learn more about Omega Wave, visit their website omegawave.com or visit their social media channels. If people haven't got that group, or have partially a group that would like to have that freedom of choice, that empowerment. How do you balance? How would someone balance that? And maybe, if you had the power to be able to shift from a head coach, for example, how would you do that and shift over to that model that you've no, I th- described? I think it's a, you know for for any any fitness coach working, and again, you'll you'll know yourself. It's you know it's getting the 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 co- or the the support or the 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 um um for Toronto, I can't find the word the. the <laughs> The confidence of the of the um, of the senior players. So if you get a buy-in from them, then you you know you're looking to pull the others across, and I, and I guess that's key. I mean, obviously, if, if the senior players aren't with you, then then you know then then that's a problem. It's probably best just to to do it another way. But you know, the, again, there's a lot of the senior players often easier to work with. You know, they have a lot of experience in the game. They wanna you know they wanna keep going. 31, 32, 33, 34. So you know, it's it's quite with education, and you know, it, it's you know, you're doing it for their good. You know, it's the opposite to you know, do what I do so I can look good when the TV cameras are, are, are you know on me during the warm. You say, well, you know, this isn't about me. This is about you, and and you know, I'll have discussions with my players. And as <clears throat> recently in the World Cup, we we changed the warm up. They said, Paul, it's too long. You know, we we, we can cut this. Okay, let, let's let's talk about it. where where can who we, said that part? Is it the players? The players, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay, uh, what can we do? Okay, so we ended up going out, and it doesn't sound a lot, but two or three minutes later than we normally did, and we cut certain parts of the warm up, and absolutely fine. It was a you know a great conversation. I said, I'm here for you guys. If if I can tick my boxes of what we need to do to prepare for the game, and you feel ready, yes. So 
again from someone that's worked across different countries again is that is that a cultural thing that absolutely, is, they absolutely. will they will say they'll not call you out but they'll mention it and say well, this needs to happen yeah but yeah. but i guess that's that's also the way i work so i do open you know i'm i don't i don't work with a closed door this is the way this is the way we do it this is the only way we do it i mean of course i've got my manager watching me he, he needs to make sure you know, it looks right. But but if I'm working with experienced players, then then you know I, I can I can work with them. But but you you keep coming back to culture, and I, and I can't emphasize you. You're so right. I mean, and some players want to be led. Some players, you know, that that togetherness in the team, all doing the same thing. At the end of the day, you know, we do the same warm up. You know, we're doing pretty much. Maybe mine gives a little bit more freedom for the players to to do what they need to do. But at the end of the day, you know, you've warmed up off we go for the game so it's, you know, it's not really a big thing but it, it's quite an interesting one um and, and again that's quite experience it's quite been very privileged to work in different countries and travel different countries but now you know as i've got older i do try you know the, it is there isn't just one way if, if i'm for example lecturing or, or having a workshop it's you know you you need to make it work for the culture that you're working in to match the philosophy of your head coach and then with the, with the players you're, you're working with You've mentioned a couple of times, and we spoke about it before, that the integration of technology and how how many options we've got. And I'd just like to get your input on the on the process that you'd go through across the the, the jobs that you've got, the, the consultancies that you do, how you prioritize the tech that you actually invest in, not only monetarily but but time wise. And just that process, I think, is really interesting because. Young coaches are bombarded. You should be doing this. Then you've got blogs on this, podcasts on this. You've got all this information, and especially tech being a, a big thing. And just maybe some advice for people to filter out and actually get to what they want and need. I think in terms of the one thing that that you know most levels now, if if you're employed as a as a you know let's call it a fitness coach, I think the player tracking, the the wearable player tracking, is something that again I, I would almost call it non-negotiable. And, and you know there really isn't an excuse to say uh, we can't afford it because you know the, the the entry level player tracking, wearable player technology is, is you know is less than a pair of football boots today, and there are startups startups. You know, as we speak, you know, gonna and that 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 you know, it's going to be affordable by 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 all. But you know, they also came out with the national association. Not just having the technology, it's then having the resources then to manage that data. So, you know, if you you think if you're collecting data at twenty five hertz uh, with twenty five players for a ninety minute training session, you you're up to you know half a million points per player. That that data then has to be. You know, it has to be stored. It has to be analysed, and then that feedback has to go back to the coach. And then, you know, you have to look to make a, you know, find an insight and make an intervention. So it's, it's not just about the monetary. It, you know, it's about that strategy and, and what you're going to use it for. And if I'm collecting all this data, and the, and the head coach is going, ah, no, that's not for me. You know, we're going to do it this way. You know, that's also, you know, so so I think I think that you know. Wearable player tracking—that that's here to stay. You know, with, with the heart rates, uh, the internal—that's harder to to translate that data. You know, uh, sometimes I do think we go too much away from the actual physiology and and you know what then you know what is heart rate actually telling me? And, and I, I think at the top level, yes, but but it's still quite you know it's you know we, we are an intermittent sport where you know heart rate again was. You know, it's great for for aerobic sports or endurance sports, but 
yeah, we need to be a little bit careful how we're translating our, our heart rate data in football. But then you've got, you know, you've got, well, hey, the Nord board, you've got the, the force frame or whatever it's called. You've got, you know, I can, you know, we've got all sorts of, of, of you know, people knocking on our doors on a, on a regular basis. I think, I think the, it, it's, it's the bigger picture and, and, and I get guilty of it. I, I want this and I want that. And we've, you know, we've just invested in some, some technology to measure speed, but it's, it's that whole process that the whole workflows, where are we going to use it? When are we going to use it? Who's going to be analyzing the data? How's the data going to be stored? How is that data going to be able to interact with other data? And, and, you know, it's that whole cycle. And that would be my recommendations. If you are going to invest in technologies is to see the, you know, the, the whole workflow cycle. Just going back to what you said at the start about the X, someone having an X factor coming into an organization with an X factor. Is this a place where someone can really own? Is that some, is this a place that someone can really own if you've got that X factor when it comes to data? We're seeing, again, not to harp on about social media, but it's, it's all about um, programming languages, whether it be R or dealing with all this data. I'm just interested to see if that could be a potential avenue for people to go down, not to replace what the, the kind of fitness coach uh, qualities, but in addition to and really add value to an organisation. Yeah, really, really interesting question. You could, you could, <laughs> you could be going all night on this one. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and you know what? I would go as far as to say today. Um, you know, if you go back ten years, you'll have fitness coaches who could could barely turn on a computer, and and you know that's not that's not being negative, but that was the fact. Today, you, you can't work in a in a top club without being able to to log your data and, and do some basic. You know, if it's an Excel spreadsheet or putting data into a, you know, a club spoke, bespoke um, uh, database. Um, and so you've got that spectrum then and all the way through to, to, you know, these people who can program it. You know, I'll sit down and I can wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, I wonder if that one will go with that one. <laughs> I'm just getting into Power BI and it's, and then we, we also work with, with different sort of database companies. And, I, and I'm, I may just, you know, do something and, oh, yeah, look at that. There's an out, an outlier at that point. Or I may then pick up the phone and say. So I think that's coming back to the, the you know, how you put a, a backroom team together. And, and I think, you know, in, in any sports science department at the elite level, there will be people with more advanced uh, analytical and, 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 and knowledge and you know, all the way through to the analytics department where, you know, I can go to the next room and give a guy, say, look, this is what I want to <clears throat> look at. I'm, I, it drives me crazy. I, I, I get so impatient, Robert. <laughs> 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 Calm down, Paul. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. But it's it's trying, I, th- I guess the key is trying to, to answer football questions. This is something I, I've learned a lot. It's, you know, it's not just analyzing data for the sake of it. What football question can I answer with you know, with this data. And so, so it's also put, put some form of onus on, on the, on these analytic people to understand football as well. And, and also that balance again, coming back to, you know, the, it's this football DNA. We, we have to have a basic understanding of football. Those of us working at the cold phase, probably more than those of us working sort of behind our desk, looking at data, but that there needs to be a common understanding of, of, of football. But yeah, most, most clubs today have, you know, in fact, every club I'm working, I have, have sort of an analytic um, geniuses that just blow me away. I mean, I can sit down for like five hours. Oh, I did it. And then you, 
for 10 minutes he's got you know i get something on my desk which is sort of oof. And, and you know with with just a basic like power and all pair power bi as, as, as the readers will know it's just a way of of you know a graphic interface for, for all your data just to show you but you know can i go into my coach or or you know one of my fellow practitioners with a with a graph that you know, rather than a table of data it's, it's just so powerful and players as well on players as well mm -hmm. Just to maybe contradict that or add another level to it, is there certain times where people and fitness try to put the fitness coaches together, like SNC, sports science, not the analytical teams that are built, that are dedicated for this? But is there a, a worry that the sports scientist, the SNC coach, will go too far that way? Too far, to be too data driven, if that's, you know, can use that and forget all the. 35 minutes that we've talked about being an actual fitness coach and a, and a sports scientist and forget those relationships, forget the culture, forget the core of what we do because we've gone so far that way. Spot on. Really, 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 really good point. And, and there's no answer to that, but, but, you know, I can't agree with you more as, as, and I, and I feel sorry for these, you know, as I say, a fitness coach, you, you, you know, you've, you've done your warm up and, and I see some great people, you know, the, the ability to deal with the players but then when they come in, that they, they, you know, they have to log. You can't just say to a, you've know, gone to the day where you write analog, you know, this is what we did, and, and you give it to your assistant and say, you know, you, that, that doesn't happen these days. But I guess what I will say is, you know, the education and, and the same with coaches, you know, you think about you know, 10 years ago, yeah, okay, we all had mobile telephones, but, you know, we, we, the, the digital world we're living in, it's not just when we walk into the football ground, it's in our whole life. So we're being influenced by, you know, and, 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 our, and, and our, our kids as well, you know, growing up with technology. So I guess it, it will become easier, you know, this I generation of players and coaches, you know, it will be easier for them. Uh, but, but it's a really good point. And, 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 I, and I can get, and I can find myself being guilty of it sometimes, you know, spending, uh, example, uh, you know, an iPad that that you know it, it crashed and it took me four hours to get the iPad up and working, but I wasn't gonna, you know. But should I should I be trying to get the iPad up and working? No, I shouldn't really be doing that. I should have been focused on other things. So I I, I do fall guilty of that. Um, but but it's a huge learning process because you know and that's maybe not a good example. But if you do do you know look at your data and start looking looking for some an outlier or something, you know, the next time you do it, you know. You just bring up that template and, and you know, that, that whole journey is, you know, again, you, you go back not that long ago, the, you know, the, you know, the, the ability to store data, the ability to, to, to use Power BI and all these type of graphic interfaces, it's just, you know, it's just grown and, and for very little, if any cost. So it's, a, but no, it's, you know, we do have to, 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 to maintain that focus of, um, you know, working with the players, but I guess it comes back to your role, and, and maybe that is a key. You know, what what is my role? I'm I'm privileged now that I can have that little bit of sort of innovative uh, looking down. Certainly, certainly with 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 the, with my work in in the club side in the national team, I do have to be more on the field. But um, no, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Not to dive into any specific players or organisations, of course, but how far away are we from players? getting a real handle on the data that is collected on them and how it's potentially used and how it could impact their careers and how, how mindful do we, as in sports scientists, S&C coaches, how mindful do we need to be that that could potentially be, 
becoming because they, they are getting educated on what this is potentially used for, team selection, recruitment, all this kind of thing. Surely it can't be too long before they go, players are asking questions. Where's that going? Who's seeing that? What influence is it having? And then maybe going, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't want to wear that sleep tracker that you've got me on to, to see how much, because that's influencing X, Y, or Z. I know it's a, it's a delicate conversation. I, I 100% get that, but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on where, the, how that might play out. Yeah, really, really interesting. Again, really interesting question, Rob. And you know, this, the whole GDPR, you know, that I, I, I really wonder whether all clubs are really, you know, um, aware of, of 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 what's going on with the data. We, the, the Swiss FA, we've just invested in in SAP, which is a big, you know, uh, database system, and um, you know, we're very, very careful about you know what who's seeing what data what needs to be encrypted what doesn't need to be encrypted medical records etc and i just wonder whether they're you know like like a lot of things you can you, know, you think back to bosman you know it was one you know one person who, who sort of brought, brought to me you know yeah it, it, it's a really interesting the, you know i i think of scouts you know scouts or, or agents you know you know what why don't you as an agent you know get all this data about your player to, to show your player in, in you know it's best like we you know, some of the things that you know some of the analytics guys and you look at liverpool you look even less you look at city i mean you, you know you, you're weighing every pass you're weighing you're weighing now position off the ball you know every time you know, there's a possibility as a defender are you in that right position to prevent uh in you know stood in a passing channel so and and that's just growing you know we were just you know it's, it's growing exponentially yeah it's a re- again a really good question and, and of course the question then is if you're using data to you know to show how good you are and then what happens then suddenly you know that data showing you're probably not as good so and 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 when you know not directly I'm, I'm i'm not directly answering your question but when does this data collection start does it start at eight does it start at 12 does it start at 16 i mean there are academies now collecting data way way down for, for sort of this long-term player development and if you think what what was the average signing of a premier league player is it is it 20 million pound the average signing of a 20 million pound? Is it? So, so, well. yeah and i mean so you, you think that and that's the average and so you think you know long-term player development and, and sort of bring, bringing players up through your academy, if, if data can help you and support you. But, you know, you're so, it's such a good question, Robin. You know, maybe that's a few, another podcast for you to bring on someone who actually yeah, knows more about that because it's, uh, yeah, it's a good, good question. Mm-hmm. Just to finish off the next, well, the last five or ten minutes and around support staff and how someone like yourself in the, in the position that you hold at, at various clubs, how you can support your staff in the best way possible. And the reason I, I say that is because it comes off the, the conversation around this like 24-hour athlete, but we've also got 24-hour support staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spoke to someone someone recently on the, the schedules that, that that they have as a, as a club, whether it be one, one game a week or two games a week. And this member of support staff was 80 hours, like 80 hours in the building on a one game a week. And that was a home game. So you've got this incredible demand. And one question that I asked when I saw the data that I mentioned right at the start with the survey, we've got this young or relatively young, like under 35 age of the typical sports scientist S&C coach. Yes, it is because we're probably a young industry, 
but are people getting to that age and going, I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. This is just the, the, the work, the work and the hours and the expectation is just brutal. Like I've got a wife and kids now, 30, 35. How can clubs and organizations and people in your position and like yourself do better to help those support staff and put things in place to enable them to not only get to 35, but get to 40, 45, 50, and still be in these kind of positions? Hey, probably asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, look, I, I, I've, I've been supported by my family. My, I've, I've got a, I've got four boys and, and, and you know, wow. You know, the, the, the times I've been away from home and I, I do try, and it, it's not about myself, but I do, do try to balance it when I am home. But, you know, every organization I've worked in, who were the first people in the building? Sports scientists, performance analysts. Who were the last people out of the building? Sports science, performance analysts. I'm, I'm working with some young people here now at Leuven and, you know, both have just had young children. And, and you know, even last night, I'm, I was I was last out of the building, but, you know, they were, they were going home at seven, eight o'clock. And it's, it's difficult. It's, again, really good question. And, and someone like the FMPA, I guess, you know, an organization like that, you know, we, we, but, but I guess it's because we love our jobs and we're so, you know, we're so passionate. So we, you know, no one's like, you know, putting handcuffs on us and, and handcuffs, <laughs> handcuffing us to the door. And, you know, a lot of the time we won't be there, you know, doing things we have to do. So it's not like we have to log data from today. So it will be, well, I wonder if, yeah, let's take a little look at that. Or What if? You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what if a research paper came in, uh, hey, I saw him do something there today. Can we just go and look? And, you know, I'm, I'm terrible. Oh, you know, I've... You know, my time at Bolton, you know, I think I got called a fruit, as nutty as a fruitcake because, you know, the, they, they, I used to come in and, you know, they, they used to know that, you know, midnight would be the earliest we would get home. But we loved it. It, it was because, and I think that's the difference. And, and it, again, it doesn't really answer your question, but it, it's kind of, yeah, we love our jobs. And, and, you know, we're not trying to impress anyone. We just, you know, we just, just love what we do. But you're, you're so right. And, and that balance... You know, I worked with one manager in particular who was very, very strict. And, and, you know, when the players were off, the staff were off, he was very, you know, this, this is a day off and, and you you are not to come into the to the training room. I guess now with, with everything happening, there is an ability to work from home. And, you know, we couldn't we couldn't do that, you know, back in the, back in the day. And But the last, you know, I guess I can I could go home and, and jump on a Teams meeting or a, a Zoom meeting with any of my colleagues if, if there was just like something we wanted to discuss. So it, you know, there is that ability with technology to now to take us home. But um, and you know, it's it's really we, we should be um, you know practicing what we preach. You know what we say to our players: recovery, and not physically, but also mentally. You know, we you need to, and you know, what do we do? <laughs> How did you deal with that, Paul? When the manager put them stipulations on you to have a day off, I guess in when you're in the when you're in this cycle of daily in work to have like it's like oh I'm feeling a bit anxious of like should I be doing uh, something? But it was different for me. It weird. was different because it was it was one during my time in the UK. So actually, okay. I could still go into the training ground, but basically the the, the other practitioners uh, okay. weren't there. So. I, I got a. That was my excuse at least. day off. But but it's but it's not good. It's not good to have abstinence from. You know, I, I really do encourage people, and you know, when I when I talk with practitioners, even managers now, I, I like to know what they do in the, in the down period, and really like to encourage if it's, 
you know, if it's a hobby, if it's to be outside, if it's to spend time with a family, it, it is, it's such an important um, uh, balance. So again, you know, really good point that, that um, it, we, we probably need to be, well, we do need to be better, better at it. Mm-hmm. One last thing I want to, want to ask you, and it was something that you brought up in the email conversation that we had beforehand, and this is providing opportunities for ex-players to become fitness coaches. I'm, I suppose, very, very loosely, bear with me here. Like, I only played for a couple of years, but there was an opportunity for me to go to uh, Manchester Met through the PFA, sports science degree, and that was that was funded, thankfully, through the PFA, who were very, very helpful. But what other opportunities could we give ex-players, and why, why should we? Because there'll be the non-ex-players going, well, these get an easy ride. They get a potential... Uh, quick pass through like uh, coaching qualifications. Why should we be helping them become fitness coaches? What opportunities? What opportunities should be given them? I think again, it's this balance between you know your, your ability to to your knowledge of sports science, but your knowledge of football, and and you know the sports scientists will be very biased towards their knowledge of sports science with very little experience of, of football, which of course with time they can learn. But you know you get an ex player who will. You know their knowledge will be a football, and and they'll then have to learn sports science. But you know if we bring them together, and and again it's this you know we haven't had time to talk about it. But what what is my role? If if I'm a fitness coach, you know my emphasis could be on delivery. It could be working close to the head coach. It could be, and then I could be working with you know a sports scientist and and, a, and another strength and conditioning coach. So so I could be almost delivering. So just because. You know, my name, my title as a fitness coach, I may not have to do everything. I, I still think, you know, some form of, excuse me, computer literacy and, and that. But, you know, and especially some of these, you know, you, you imagine some of the players who have had to retire early through injury and, you know, to maybe become a return to play, you know, again, another title, return to play coach or a, what, what the rehab coach or, you know, so, so again, you know, with the right person, with the right attitude. And, and I think we should... There should be some, I think it should be, again, a non-negotiable that they should, you know, do some form of online learning or some form like yourself, a sort of a, a you know, a two, one, anything from a one to five year basic course to understand the basics of, you know, physiology. We haven't talked about physiology, but, you know, how the body is working and, and you know, some very basic things. Um and, and of course, it has to be the right person. It has to be, you know, you, you, we just can't be, oh, he's a player, let's bring him into a fitness coach. So, so again, this may be something that, that you know, UEFA can can sort of find different pathways. But but we're, we're quite, you know, we're, we're all agreed that, you know, we, we should at least consider this option because of that, the, you know, this real solid knowledge of, of, of the game. I'm, um, I'm really pleased, sorry to interrupt, Paul, I'm really pleased you said that because I think as sports scientists who've not come through that pathway as an, as an ex-player, do look down a little bit on that knowledge of football. Like, oh, that's all right, but we need the, we need the technical knowledge. And, and I get that, but having the knowledge of the game and, like you said, going back to the, the C word, the culture, and understanding how to speak to managers, just what goes on in a football club. Like, that can take a long time for someone who's not been in a football club. So that person, an ex-player, has that head start and the, the, the knowledge and the, the learning of the sports science could like happen alongside that. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, I think. So it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You know, it's building a partnership. So, you know, you, it, it's not just, 
you know, it's the two of you together. So one will have more experience in one area, one will have more experience in the other. But, you know, to, and, and again, this is where technology and, and, and data can help because, you know, you've done a session, you know, just imagine then the player, you know, comes in and, and, the, and the scientist says, okay, look, look, this is what we've done today. You know, this is the intensity, this is the volume, this is the internal response. You know, then we did this and look what happened. So there could be this constant, you know, for a player who really wants to learn and is passionate enough to, to learn. And I think, uh, I think there's, uh, I think there's huge opportunities. Cool. I know you mentioned you, you didn't, you're not big on social media, but I know they do know you have it. So if anyone's got any questions or wants to follow up with anything, podcast, this, this conversation related or anything else, is, a, is there a good place for people to, to contact you, Paul? uh probably linkedin probably linkedin is uh okay. probably probably that's the one now that i've been a little bit more active my, my my son's one of my sons is in doing strategical communication and he's on to me all the time dad you need to, dad, you need to. <laughs> probably linkedin yeah linkedin um that's probably the easiest place to find me there are actually believe it or not there are two paul balsams there's uh so i call myself paul d balsam there's another paul balsam who who was working in bath rugby and now gone across to 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 canada so, uh, so just to make sure if anybody does have a question, it's, uh, you find out the right. right. Just one thing before we finish is that uh, I'm also very interested in and working with UEFA is, is the women's game. We, we didn't get a chance yes. to mention that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think there's some, some, some huge prospects in, in, in the women's game and we are really, you know, doing all we can at UEFA to, to, um, to, you know, to support, to support them. And, and, you know, there's some, there's some great, players coming through there and, and and this is a game that's you know we've we've seen it increase over the years and it will continue to increase so we're, we're you know we're, i'm also quite passionate about the, the support we can we can offer them as well superb thanks for mentioning that because uh yeah we didn't, we didn't get quite get there but i think was it international women's in international women's there yesterday was it it was it was yeah, well, it was, absolutely <laughs> was absolutely was but no paul thank you very much for giving up your time really appreciate it um, stick around we'll have we'll have a little chat after but um, officially I will, I will let you go so appreciate so, it thanks mate thanks Rob take care bye bye thanks for tuning in to episode 338 of the Pacey Performance Podcast big thanks to Paul for giving up an hour of his time coming to the podcast and giving us the inside info and what's happening at UEFA and also giving us an insight into what he's doing over in Sweden with the national team so big thanks to today's sponsors as well, Hawking Dynamics, I Measure You, Fusion Sport, Omega Wave and Output Sports. Thank you to them guys for sponsoring this episode today and for their constant support to allow the podcast to keep doing what it's doing. So thank you to you for tuning in. Thank you for your constant support. I look forward to your feedback and I'll see you, speak to you next week.